All right, dude. How have you been? Next question. Okay, that's good. Fair enough. Um, um, yeah, no, I've, I've been okay. Um, I just, yeah, it's just been, it's been a lot. Um, outside of, you know, basketball, just life in general has, uh, has been a lot. I'm looking forward to cool weather here in Los Angeles. I'll tell you that. This, well, this gut, keep this, keep looking because it's much farther forward than you think. No, it's not. It'll it'll be in the 70s soon, and I can deal with that. This like I'm like the pastiest Irish dude you've ever seen. Like sticking me in the sun is like jamming a fork in the toaster. It's like just don't <laughs> don't do it. Yeah, this has been, I mean, not to sound like old man L.A. guy, this has been one of the worst summers we've ever had. Um, it's been really hot. It's been really hot consistently. That's the thing. Since, since August. Yeah. Yeah. Great start. <laughs> We're All right, starting well, with the weather. We're starting with the weather. <laughs> well, if, uh, if you guys are still with us after that incredibly boring open, there some things have happened. In the, well, first in the- of all, welcome, welcome back from vacation. If if you're if you're joining us here, we appreciate you coming back after us. Uh, not exactly leaving you on the highest note with the last episode. Yeah. Um. But also thank you because that was hands down the most downloaded and listened to episode we've ever done. I wonder Although, why. Yeah. Sneaky suspicion <laughs> is other fan bases just reveling in uh, in those voicemails to st- that we had to start the episode out. Well, thank thank them too for making us feel really good about our download numbers. And making us rich. I mean, I got I got a six figure check off of that episode. Well, you got how much? Uh, nah, it was like a bag of coffee. It wasn't much. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, because like, that's <laughs> what I, I mean. Anyway, um, so some big things have happened in the Clippers universe. Uh, Doc Rivers, pretty shockingly, about two and a half months ago, uh, was fired. Was it is, no? Well, Two and a half months ago, really? No, it wasn't two and a half. Okay, months. I was like, joke. "Holy <laughs> shit, dude! I must have fallen into the craziest K hole of my life." Yeah, no, 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 it wasn't two and a half. That's a joke. I have not been doing ketamine, by the way. I just want to make that clear. That was a joke. <laughs> just straight H, just a lot of horse. <laughs> not- <laughs> um. Anyway, so Doc was fired, or sorry, they mutually agreed to part ways. Sure. Which. Real quick, I just I love just how all that went down because that marked the second time that he had been fired by uh, Steve Ballmer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. First, first time as GM, Rock yep. Rivers was fired, yeah, and then Doc, because uh, the big thing was he like in his like exit letter, thank you thing to everybody. Bomber wasn't mentioned, and everybody's like, "Why wasn't Bomber mentioned?" Like, you know, it says something that Bomber wasn't mentioned. And I was like, "I." You get fired by a dude twice. You're not really going to thank him the second time on the way out. You, you get fired by a dude once. I don't think you're going to thank him on the way out. Like, yeah, I, but that's a we- that's such a weird thing in the NBA where it's like, thank yeah. you so like, dude. If I got fired tomorrow from my job, I wouldn't publicly go out and just be like, I just want to thank my boss for uh, you know. The, like, there's no, no fucking you'd way, pee, dude. You'd pee down the aisles as you left. That's what you would do. Yeah. Anyway, so he he's gone. Um, and there is a replacement with Ty Lu, which in our private conversations, cause we decided not to talk about the Clippers on this podcast for six months. <laughs> that was kind of the hire. I think we both wanted this podcast has been dead for 82 years, 82 years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think, I think that that's sort of the consensus. This makes the most sense pick. 
Yeah, it's it's something that I spent a lot of time thinking about. I mean, I, you know, personally, I would have loved to have seen Sam Cassell get it. Yeah. But I understand that he doesn't necessarily have the, um, I don't know, the resume uh, that, that Ty Lu does. You know, he got the interview. Sam got an interview, which was great. I'm curious to see if he stays on the coaching staff. And this is possibly something we can get into later. I do feel like it's going to be a full revamp. Mm-hmm. But... You know, I in terms of like the other names that have been floating around, I think the only other coach that I was kind of like, I'd like to see them get an interview and, and possibly a crack at it was Kenny Atkinson, because I really like what Kenny Atkinson was able to do in Brooklyn. However, there is a question of whether it would have been the right fit for this team. But well, I do it, would, think it wouldn't have been. I mean, I mean, Kenny, Kenny was good with that sort of scrappy upstart, whatever Nets team. But Kyrie and, and KD got him fired for a reason, I think. And I don't think he's a big, he's one of those coaches where he's, he's going to be like a Steve Clifford where he's going to polish turds better than anybody else. But if you put him (laughs) with, I think top end talent, that's just not, he strikes me as like a college coach. You know what I mean? Like he's going to get his guys. That might be true. I also don't think he was really given the chance in Brooklyn to kind of prove that a little bit. He the team was insanely injured. And, you know, and I'd love Kyrie Irving, but even Kyrie was like, you know, we're gonna have to trade half these guys was like saying shit like that. And it's just like, I don't know how much of a chance Kenny Atkinson was really given with like a a top talent roster. But the other side of that is he clearly didn't inspire the confidence in those guys for them to fall in line. Yeah. So which, you know, I get it's also two very prickly personalities to deal with. It could be different in a different locker room. All I'm saying is I'd like to see Kenny Atkinson coaching again because I loved what he did in Brooklyn. Like that last year's Brooklyn team was so much goddamn fun to watch. Right. Um, which is fine. But anyway, the Tyloo is the head coach. Uh, he has Chauncey Billups <laughs> on his staff. Love um, that. Which is exciting. Yeah. Uh, and Larry Drew, uh, who he has had on his staff before. Former head coach um, has been his lead assistant before. Um, I think those are two good hires. Um, I am curious to see if they're going to bring in somebody specifically for the defense or if they're going to keep Rex or if Rex is going to follow um, Doc to Philly. I think that's an interesting thing to watch. Who just I mean, said I'd that be, they were going to There was another with, coach that just said they were going to go to Philly with Doc. Who was that? Uh, Dave Yeager. That's who it was. Yeah. I, Which I, I think like is a Yeager. good hire too. Yeah. I like Yeager a lot. Yeah. I don't. The Rex thing is is interesting. I almost feel like, and maybe I'm crazy about this, I almost feel like um, Chauncey is would be kind of the defensive guy. Uh, I think he I think he brings a lot of a lot of so experience from that Pistons team that was like a defensive juggernaut. Uh, yeah, and, but I don't I don't think that means he's a defensive guy. Chauncey was a good team defender, but we don't talk about Chauncey as being a lockdown. Right. Gonna, you know, whatever. You know, yeah, he was in a good system. And he also had Ben freaking Wallace behind him. Um, and Tor- uh, Tayshawn Prince. Sorry, not Torian Prince. That's a modern Tayshawn <laughs> Prince. Um, is that his name? Am I getting it wrong? Tayshawn Prince. Tayshawn yeah, Prince. In, he was in the league forever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and other guys who were really good. Anyway, just really quick before we get into that, because there's a question about that. Um, okay. So we'll get to the listener questions later. I just had a couple parting thoughts about the last season um and doc rivers in general 
I know that we covered some of it um, in our recap episode, but I did stew on some stuff for another yeah, couple we, weeks, and we cut co- we covered that with like open wounds. So yeah, um, so I, I looked at some more stuff, uh, which I actually said on Russo's podcast, but since he's behind a paywall, I'd like to bring them up here. Um, <laughs> was that a, was that like a low key shot fired at Justin Russo? <laughs> no, 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 no. Please go subscribe <laughs> to his his Patreon because do yeah, it. honestly do. Uh, that that dude does amazing work, uh, and I think and- it's like five dollars. It's like five dollars yeah. to get it. Give him the money. Stuff. Don't give it to fucking ESPN or some of these other right massive companies. Right. I also subscribe to ESPN Plus, but I I now don't know why I did that. I it's <laughs> it doesn't make any sense for me. This anyway. episode is going to be us working out our like paid subscriptions, being like, why yeah. am I helping these massive companies in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah. <laughs> so um, the first thing I want to talk about is Doc in general. Um. I think that there's a part of it where everybody was like, well, Doc's a great coach. I don't know why they'd get rid of him. I think that, you know, blah, 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 blah. I think that Doc has now gone to the other side, okay, of the overrated, underrated part of the coaching discussion. I think Doc is a good coach. I don't think he's bad, okay? I really don't think he's bad. I also don't think he's great. So I think I think he's like a second tier NBA coach and I think that people are putting him in the top tier which I think is like two guys. You know what I mean? Like the real top tier coach. It's like Greg Popovich and, you know, people like that. Like he's not a pantheon NBA. Rick, Rick Carlisle, one of those guys. Yeah. Spelstra. He um I think that there are situations where he can maximize his talent. But then when you look at his record with like Boston and the Clippers, I think that we all need to actually have a real conversation about the fact that Doc has underachieved with two or three actually great rosters now. Yeah. Um, The Celtics should have won more than one title. Some of that is injuries, but some of that is also just. I don't think he maximized that roster the way that he should have. I think that. He is a player's coach in in such a way that he just allows his guys to do what they want. And that's not necessarily always the greatest strategy because uh, it's not really a strategy. It's kind of like, all right, go figure it out. Now, the, the Celtics teams had Thibodeau doing the defense. So like that side was really locked in. But I, I just have this feeling like you had that team. Then you had Lob City. And you never got out of the second round. You had the same issues over and over and over again with your personnel choices as GM. And then when you got into the playoffs, you just made bad rotational decisions because you trusted the wrong guys. Um, and then he did that again. He did that with the he he pissed away our chances of getting into the playoffs that year that we went 42 and 40. Now, yes, that roster was a total mash unit and I mean, what are you really going to do? But down the stretch of that season, there were like 10 games for us to clinch a playoff spot. And we blew almost all of them. Like we just kept losing in the same fashion where he was going to guys that didn't have it or keeping guys that didn't have it in the game too long and all this other stuff. And it's just the same things over and over and over again. And you look and it's like, even with the Celtics, he never blew out a team, you know, in the first or second round. 
series always went six. Oh, he he rarely seven. got out of a he rarely got out of a series under seven. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And so I think that that needs to be a part of the story, right? Is that while he is a great tactician, I don't, sorry, I said players coach and there's a, a conversation about that. He's a great tactician. He's a great offensive mind. His ATOs are, are incredible. Some yeah, of the I, best in the league. That's the thing. I think he's one of the best ATO coaches. Yeah. Out there. And, and there's that part of it, but I feel like it never really comes together in a hundred, like a hundred percent. And well, I think almost, this, it's almost ahead. like he bought into the hype himself of like being one of the greats. And so when he gets to the playoffs, it's this mentality of like, you have to adjust to me because right. this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and like every other coach is just kind of like, ha, okay, dude. <laughs> like, All right, fine. Yeah, yeah. I will. Okay. Yeah, I'll I be will sure adjust. to do that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Thank you. Um, and I think this year was the most sort of glaring example of that in, in that he really just dug his heels in and was like, this is how we're going to win. And then everybody was like, hey, doc, we're not winning that way. That's well, not- the, I mean, the hyper concentration of that was game seven was the there were adjustments slowly and very small, like small adjustments being made where we were like, oh, he, you know, starting to piece it together. This is starting to happen. Azu's getting some more minutes. OK, yeah. like he's closing games. Cool. And then it's like, all right, season's on the line. Game seven. Here goes my like Therese 17 minutes to close a game thing yeah. and, and and it was just like oh, oh wow yeah. wow you took a couple baby steps forward and then a massive backwards lunge right well it's because he went with his gut he went with a guy he trusted and it happened to be the guy who was the worst player on the clippers in the playoffs hands down i've got some stats to back that up it, he was awful okay yeah. trez was the worst player in the playoffs by a pretty sizable margin um i'll sum it up this way Okay, about the trust thing. And then I just have one more thing I want to say about Doc, and then we can get into positive stuff. In terms of just raw plus minus, I know it's a flawed stat, but I think that it's something that the more I looked into it, the more I felt like it painted a, a pretty clear picture of the Clippers team this this playoffs, right? The best pairing in raw plus minus on the Clippers in the playoffs was Zoo and Kawhi. They were a plus 90 in 299 minutes. Okay, that's really great. It's awesome. The worst pairing on the Clippers in the playoffs was Kawhi and Trez. They were a minus 82 in 157 minutes. So in half the time, Kawhi Leonard and Montrez Harrell <laughs> lost all of the gains that Kawhi Leonard and Avica Zubac had made. Well, I, I think we talked about that a bit. On We were texting about that. Is that what it was? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. And like I was doing the the things with Garrett, the pregame mm-hmm. things with Garrett. And maybe we talked about it there. But like that pairing, that specific pairing, Kawhi and Trez, like I feel like they never really built chemistry together, at least on the court. Like it's because it was so it looked so natural when he was playing. Like it, I, I think it's pretty obvious that Kawhi really enjoyed playing with Zoo. Yeah. Like that pick and roll was pretty goddamn flawless. And right. And it it just wasn't there with Trez. And I maybe maybe this is something I'll, I'll deep dive and be like, oh, I'm totally wrong on this. But I feel like, you know, when they shared the floor, 
Kawhi didn't pass to Trez all that often. It was usually somebody else dumping it off to him. Like I feel like they yeah. didn't have that going. Well, I think I think that it comes down to I mean, Reggie stopped playing because Kawhi yelled at him in that I think it was in the was it in the Denver series? Was it the first game when he said, I didn't pass to you for that shit? When he yelled yeah. at Reggie. Yeah. yeah, I think it was. And then Reggie stopped <laughs> playing after that. Um and so you could see the frustration of playing with a guy who had no idea what he was doing on Kawhi's face, like when these things would happen. And I think that a lot of what happened in that it didn't look like they liked playing with each other. I think it's because Trez just didn't know what he was doing a lot of the time and was out of position and and was doing all this stuff that pissed, you know, Kawhi off about Reggie. Reggie was Reggie had multiple times where he was literally facing the wrong direction. I don't know how on a court that small with that few players, you're turned like completely turned around. I just don't get it. Um, So I think that that was a part of it. And so Doc's insistence on getting his guy going is kind of like a tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. And, it's absolutely not what we needed, especially with all of the kind of hovering, you know, locker room questions and all that other stuff. And, you know, I think part of that's overblown in terms of why we failed, but it was definitely a part of it. And I don't think that Doc was the right guy to get us out of it this year because the guys that he trusted, the guys that he leaned on were the guys that were the problem. Right. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, but Kawhi came late to the plane and like he's a star okay like it it it's a part of it but you also have to bring the whole locker room together right and if you're gonna trust those three guys and make it to where you know they're the your favorite guys and then also give preferential treatment to the other guys and not ever try to bridge the gap what are you doing and i feel like that was sort of what happened it in this season is the playing style was okay, Kawhi and PG, you just figure it out. But the the sort of bedrock of the team in Doc's eyes was this like Lou Trez thing. Right. And it just never meshed. Like it never it never came all the way together. Um, which is why I'm happy he's gone. It's why I wanted him to be gone a long time ago is I never thought that he was the right guy for this particular franchise. Right. Um, and people have said, oh, he's he's the reason the Clippers are legit. No, he is a reason that the Clippers became legitimate. He is not the reason that the Clippers are now legitimate as a franchise, to whatever extent you want to say that. Um, he was fine. He helped uh, you know go through the Sterling thing, but he never lived up to the, like he never got the roster that he was given to live up to the potential of the roster in his 87 years as the Clippers coach. Like he just never did it. Yeah. I mean, so, okay. Yeah. There's, there's a lot there, right? Like part of it is like, you know, people are like, why would you fire him after like one year with this roster? And it's, you can't look at it in that vacuum. It's multiple years with talented teams and dude, doc did great last year. Did great. Like I soured on doc before last year at the end of Lob City. And, but there were things last year where I was like, oh, he's putting systems together. So if he gets 
a superstar and is putting these systems together, it's going to be unstoppable. But those systems got thrown in the trash as soon as the talent came in. And that's that's one of my biggest issues is like you can't you can't do that. You have to be both those things. And he even said, you know, he was like kind of reinvigorated as a coach having this like scrappy underdog team. And it's like, great, man, bring that mentality to the talented team and you have something special. But you didn't No, um, Doc is Doc is a good coach. I do think, dude, one thing that was just really strange to me was like. You know, we kind of joked about a victory lap when he got fired, but there was like legitimate like fans like, yeah, fuck Doc Rivers. Like, I'm so happy he got fired. And it's like, I know that we're talking about millionaires, but like, it's so weird celebrating somebody losing their job. Like, I know he was going to get another one, but it's just such a bizarre like, dude. And this is part of the toxic fandom that we talk about where it's like, you got to look at this dude as a person and like celebrating somebody getting fired on the internet i don't care like it's so weird to me um well i mean obviously i was happy about the firing and i hear you uh i think that this the extra step is the problem i think you can be like okay thank god i'm happy that the change was made yeah and then not go into yeah fuck you doc rivers like that's not (laughs) so so weird and like and i felt bad because you know i screamed about him uh, in the Dallas series, I said he should be fired immediately, and I I stand by that. I do. Uh, I hope that Steve that was Steve's decision making as he listened to the Flipset <laughs> podcast, and he was like, you know what, he's right, he's got a point here. Um, it was just such a weird thing, and like, <clears throat> you know, you're right. He's not the reason, right, why the Clippers have become a more legitimate franchise, but he's a massive part of that, and I don't think that it's Is fair it to massive down- though. I do think so. Yeah, I do. I do. I think that that he really kind of tried his best, whether he sought all the way through to build some kind of culture of like a legitimate franchise, because before it was just like, come in for a couple years, go come in for a couple years, go clear the books, don't spend that much money. And I know that, you know, Balmer has a lot to do with that, but like going from the transition from Sterling to Balmer. And that's a massive change. And he did play a big role in stabilizing things, at least within the locker room during that transition. Yes. I don't think that we can understate that. Yeah, no, that that's huge. I hear you. But the Clippers were still a laughing stock. Under yeah, they Doc still Rivers. are. They still are under Bomber. Like if that's what right, we're no, no, do, I understand. Like, that, but yeah. it's under Doc Rivers. Doc Rock Divers is a joke because of how terrible the, those, you know, the bench talent was sure uh we blew the 3-1 lead with doc we blew another 3-1 lead with doc we are still the quote-unquote you know clipper's gonna clip and definitely time to move on i'm not saying it's not time to move on no i know like but i think that that also needs to go into his legacy as the savior of the clippers franchise he wasn't did he help a lot yes but he was not the reason why you know, everything turned around or started to turn around. And then also he's a big part of the reason why we're still, you know, are we the only franchise that's never been to the conference finals? No. To the conference finals? Yeah. I don't think that's true. Are you sure? I could be wrong. I could be totally wrong. I'm going to look that up. Um, But anyway, I'm glad he's gone. Have, have the Hornets ever made it to a conference finals? Yeah. Didn't they? With Hold who? On, I'm looking it up. Wasn't um, it against MJ? 
with BJ Armstrong. No, that was the first round. But yeah, like and and the other side, you know, like he's the the you brought it up. He's like the player's coach. Sure, to an extent, but I also think it's pretty telling how many former Doc players come out and they're like, dude, I don't like Doc. He's not like and what was crazy while the like fan victory lap was happening after he got fired, there were like former Doc like rookies like Bryce Johnson came out and were like, I'm still waiting for my minutes. And that's been one of my like biggest problems with Doc outside of the lack of, a you know, adjustment and systems and stuff like that was he didn't develop talent down the bench. In fact, a lot of the talent that he did discover was on accident and, and yeah. out of necessity. It was with people getting hurt. And like Trez is a big part of that, right? Like it took him forever to give Trez any meaningful minutes. And then it went way too far in that direction yeah. and got way too many, many meaningful minutes. But even with like the, you know, Lob City like iterations, there was the Pablo Prigioni, Cole Aldrich pick and roll off the bench was amazing. It was so good, but it took him so long to get minutes for Cole Aldridge. I actually wanted to re-sign Cole Aldridge after that season to be a backup big because I was like, he's a serviceable bet, like serviceable backup big. Like I he did well at what he was doing, you know. The toothless not wonder, a, yeah. Yeah, not exactly. Um, and then Tyler Johnson took that title. But yeah, um, but it was that like I'm just trying to think like there was no underdog, no development, and like decent, like kind of late round players went through the turnstiles with the Clippers that went on like, like Reggie Bullock. Oh my God. Turned out to be a good role player. He's one of my favorite players in the league. And I remember at the time screaming, seeing, seeing flashes of him when he would get his like five minutes, every seven games and being like, this guy's good. Like give him some minutes. He's a rotation player. Yeah. He can shoot the ball really well. He's, you know, he's, not the greatest defender, but he knows what he's doing. You know right. what I mean? Like he knows where he, where he wants to be at least on right. a lot of these possessions. And so it's just like, dude, there's zero development. So I guess we can get into Ty Lu on that because yeah, yeah. that's something I'm hoping to see with this new coaching staff because Terrence Mann has some value there. But to be honest, the player I'm most excited about is Captain Gelly. I think Captain yeah. Gelly, if he's developed, with the skill set that he has, he's super raw. That's the thing. He's a super raw player. I don't mm-hmm. know if he's necessarily NBA rotation ready yet, but he has a skill set that could make him a really skilled backup big. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I think that that's uh, if we if we go into what um, the f- the franchise was looking for in this decision. That was a, a a talking point, you know, across all the reporting, is that the Clippers had a, a a pretty detailed list of what they wanted their new coach to have. Um, I know Jovan, you know, laid it out specifically, and I know it, it's been around, but the the developing young players was a was something that was kind of in everything. Um, they, I mean, I you think, know, I I know that the misperception is that like the the Clippers have zero assets moving forward uh, and there's no draft picks with it, which isn't totally true, but considering how many assets they have given up, I yeah. think that's a big thing because they're like, dude, if this doesn't become a title team, then we at least need to lock down someone who can help us build back up right. with kind of like 
you know, late round talent and and yeah. all of that, because that's that's what they're going to have to do for a bit is rely on that and, you know, free agency. So. Right, right. And I think. I th- for me personally, I mean, I we're not insiders, so like I don't have any access to this information, but I, it's been touched on a little bit. But I think it's specifically about Shamit and, and Zoo. I think that the franchise looks at those guys as like, dude, title teams need young, cheap talent to produce. And these guys are ready to produce. And they got fucked over last year. Look at the team that just won the the, the title for this year. The Lakers had Alex Caruso. And he's mm-hmm. like, that he's exactly what you're talking about, where he's, you know, not the greatest, but he was developed into a good role player. Yeah. And so right. like, but that wasn't happening <laughs> under Doc. Right. And not even just it wasn't happening. Young players were getting hamstrung. Landry Shamit showed that he can be a playoff contributor. Okay. Landry Shamit showed that he is a rotational player for this team. He could start. He could be, you know, whatever. But Doc, all year long, did this will he or won't he fucking act with the guy. And totally torched his confidence and the bubble is hard because he had COVID and he was late. And you know, there's, there's that big part of it for the Clippers, I think is, but you, you could literally erase the bubble and it's the same thing. No, no, no. That's what I'm saying is like, yeah, he still never gave him a role on this team that he's so desperate. Like he earned and should have been groomed to be ready for this from day one. You said this about zoo. He did it with zoo. How are you going to fucking play the kids 16 minutes a night every game? And then all of a sudden be like, okay, dude, we're going to lean on you now for 35. It's like, how how was he going to be ready for that? After four months off. Yeah. 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 Um, Um, The thing about zoo that I am kind of excited about, and it's something that we we've talked about a bit. And I remember, you know, a few games in a row at Staples, watching him warm up, just kind of sitting like on the side of the court when no one else is is in the arena, it's just zoo and he's like hitting threes. And I know most NBA players can hit threes. I know I know that if you give Dwight Howard an empty gym, he'll knock down he a splashes. Of threes. He splashes. Yeah. yeah. But it was the way he was shooting it felt different where I was like, because I've seen I've seen DeAndre Jordan hit a three, like hit a corner yeah. three while while you know the team was warming out. But the way he was shooting, I was like Oh, this is like something he's really worked on. Yeah. Like it it was it wasn't just like, yeah, I've, you know, I do this. Like it was just somewhere I was like, that's in his bag. Mm-hmm. And I think somebody had asked Doc, maybe that game was like, you know, we were watching Zoom out there taking threes, and he was really, really good and had like a a really like natural kind of shooter stroke on it. And, you know, he was like, Yeah, you know, if so it's something that that he's worked on and and you know maybe maybe he'll be doing it and if he took one in a game and it was open uh, you know I'd be fine with that but then the reports after the firing that like doc was kind of actively being like no I don't want to see you on the three point line yeah and so I almost think I want like I I do think Zoo's going to have a bigger role next season under the new coaching staff and I wonder, you know, I, I obviously don't want to see him taking five a game, but right. I think there are going to be times where you see Zoo on the perimeter taking a three, and I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think, so to go about, the the reason I'm excited about Ty Lue is people are going to say, oh, LeBron, you know, he won that. Okay, Ty Lue took over midseason and then optimized the team that he had. 
he looked at what he had and he was like, okay, we're going to play this way. Um, and it was a more modern game. Um, and something that a lot of people have been talking about, Jovan, Justin, you know, everybody out there is that he not only, you know, sort of helped craft this sort of system, he also was willing to experiment and do things on the fly. Right. So he was, he had Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love. So he could play big when he wanted to. I know Kevin Love shot threes, but, you know, he could play big if he wanted to. Or I could shift guys down. And he did. And he was ready, willing, and able to adjust to what the game was giving him. And he did that over those three years where he got to the finals. Um, I think that, you know, we talk about the Draymond thing, but there were adjustments that Ty Lu made in those three games, you know, that helped them come back that were just as important as Draymond missing one of those three games. Um, and so what I'm excited about is not only does he have this championship pedigree, he also got in LeBron's face. <laughs> he straight up told LeBron when he took over, you need to get in better shape because you're out of shape right now. And LeBron did it, you know? And so that level of, of holding everybody accountable while also being able to hold yourself accountable, I think is what, what I read into the in-game adjustment stuff. You have to be able to look at what's happening and be like, okay, that's not working. Uh, let's do something else. And right. as a Clipper fan, I'm very excited to actually have a coach who does that uh, for the first time in a decade. So it, it it's it's going to be exciting, I think, to see what he gets out of this roster. Yeah, I don't know if I'm, uh, you know, all the way there yet. I and may, maybe it's just this last season, but like I kind of want to see some before I'm like, yeah, like this is the dude. You know what I mean? And, you know, Ty did put together a really good offensive scheme in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. They were top he, five, I think, his three years. Yeah, he, you know. But he also had LeBron, and I'm not going to take away from a system because he had the player, but the execution of the system has a lot to do with that. And so right. I want to see what he can do with with the roster. And, you know, I think that this will have an episode or two this offseason, however long that is, and, yeah. and all of that, where we talk about, you know, possible roster changes. Um, but right now I just want to focus on the coaching. But, like, let's say it is the same team. I'm curious to see what he does with that because – there's so many different styles that the current roster can play. I hope that he does that. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's truly what I want is like, and you know, we could get a bit bigger at times. Um, I think the team is more built to play smaller, but like even as a like smaller team, they never really played as fast as I, I wanted the Clippers to play. And that's what I'm really hoping Ty Lue does is like play faster. Yeah. It was weird because it always felt slow, but then you look at like the pace stats and they were near the top of the league in pace. Hmm. Um, but I think that that was more, there are, there were games where they would get out and transition because of their defense. Uh, and that led to more possessions, which, you know, whatever, that's the pace thing. Um, but I think that that's probably the most important thing and was kind of our biggest gripe, I think, of this last season is, dude, all we've talked about all year is how this team is specifically designed to match up to everybody. Yeah. And we had a coach that was like, 
like you said, no, you're going to adjust to me. <laughs> um, and that totally, like, all of the BS about how, oh my God, they gave Lawrence Frank executive of the year, even though they lost in the second, like, Lawrence Frank didn't lose in the second round. He didn't. Oh, and f- first of all, dude. <laughs> People are complaining about executive of the year awards. Like who like the Clippers won the, the Clippers executive won that award. And like, I don't give a fuck. Like, what are we talking about? Yeah. Here? Like watching uh-huh. people get upset about that. It was just like, what are we doing, guys? What are we yeah, honestly are we doing, doing right now? <laughs> yeah. What are we doing here? Anyway. Um, so, it, it, but yeah, you're right. Like, At, like for me, it's like what you're talking about, having that array of, uh, of players and styles at your fingertips it was like doc walked into the chopped kitchen fully stocked and was like i'm making peanut butter and jelly tonight (laughs) yeah because peanut butter and jelly has gotten me this far yeah (laughs) yeah anyway so let's let's get into some of the i have some quotes here from the information about the hiring uh and then we'll get into listener questions yeah so in handsome andrew greif's uh la times article he had, I think, the hold quote, on, hold on, hold on. Mm. What's up? I just want to mm, Andrew mm. Greif. Oh yeah, congrats mm. on the on the child, Andrew. Um, I'm sure he will also be stunningly good looking. <laughs> yeah, um, a baby Adonis. So he had the quote of the the cycle. He's not going to tolerate mediocrity if it cuts against winning," said a person with knowledge of the source. Or of the search, which was the uh, about Ty Lue. Uh I think that that very specifically was was aimed at Trez, um, and or the Trez situation, not Trez specific, but like the Trez situation that happened in the playoffs. Um, and a lot of people ran with that, and I actually think that's a really good thing for the organization to say because I think that that brings that shows that there's a level of self awareness. Like, yeah, we had all these pieces and everything kind of seemed to fall in place. But if we're not having the right process, it's not going to mean anything, Um, which I think should shut everybody up about the, Oh, they think they should just waltz into a title. No, I think they knew that they needed to work and it just didn't happen, which is why doc is gone. Um, He also has a quote here, rather than focus on how candidates would have solved last year's problems, the Clippers asked prospective coaches on how they would get the most out of a roster that is still expected to enter next season as a prime Western Conference contender. Lou, according to people with knowledge of the talks, discussed a controlled offense that would emphasize speed and ball movement instead of heavy use of isolation. Defensively, the team is expected to again lean on -on one-on-one play while mixing in various zone looks. I think that that's huge to have yeah. him say, "Hey, we're gonna do something." Instead yeah, we're gonna of, have ass system. <laughs> yeah, ass. There will be ass system, um, <laughs> which is another thing that we were very upset about. Is that we were given the okie doke because all season long we were told, "Just wait, just wait, it's coming. We're getting ready. Oh, it's coming." And then we got there, and they were like, "Nope, this was well, it." Not- not only was it nope, but it was like less than <laughs> there was in the regular season because you thought it was bad then. Look yeah. at us now. Yeah. Well, guess what? The pick and roll is gone now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just yeah. and and that I can't I can't underline how important an offensive system is with this team and the mentioning of like not going so ISO heavy because in game seven 
when your two best players are fucking exhausted because they've been put in a position to play a game seven and they just both happen to have a cold night. Yeah. Which happens. And usually it's one or the other when that happens. This was the kind of nightmare scenario where they both get cold. There was no, okay, Kawhi and PG don't have it. Let's run this out. Like those are those moments that you and I have talked about where it's like, look at the bench, dude. You've got, you've got Landry Shamit there. Run some JJ action for him. Like yeah. run like like run some of these systems that can get the other guys going to right. buy time for the stars to kind of figure it back out. And and like maybe that system breaks them out of that cold spell, but yeah. that just wasn't there. So like to me, like hearing that is so important for this team moving forward. Right. So uh according to Jovan, I, I had mentioned this earlier. Th- this is what the team was looking for. Okay, in this search, a progressive and innovative approach, a high level game strategist, someone who could recultivate the gritty identity. I'm so tired of hearing about this one. Recultivate the gritty identity of 2017 and 2018. I just real quick, dude, I'm 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 so over the like blue collar. Yeah, no, like it, dude. Okay, first of all, Bomber's like one of the richest people that's ever walked the planet. Yeah. Um. He just paid $400 million cash for an arena. For an arena so that he could build a $2 billion arena down down the street. street. It's like, like, dude, what are we doing here? Like, this is, it's as ridiculous as the Lakers, like, we're a family-owned business. It's a mom-and-pop operation here. It's like, they're they're both ridiculous. Stop. Stop with it. Just just be the team that's in LA. Yeah. Two top-heavy teams with really great star talent. Let's just, let's just run with it. Okay. If anything, just lean into the, like, yeah, it's not our city. Like lean into that. Like I'm okay with like, I, that would to me be more appropriate. I'm like, all right, well you're not like trying to cultivate some false narrative here. Like, yeah, it's not your city. You're the little brother. Like, like, right. to, like they're, they should come out in like Oshkosh, like overalls. Like it should just like dress like children, like just dress like the little brother and lean all the way into that. Don't try to sell me this. Like, you know, we're the blue collar working class owned by a dude who's worth hundreds of billions of dollars right <laughs> it's like dude i'm not yeah. buying it anymore if 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 we're the blue collar team we should all be wearing shacks out there okay the, the <laughs> and one shack shoes and that's it so to keep going down the list empower and develop young players and there's a sentence later that i'm going to touch on fun and joyous culture and style of play that fans are proud of i think that's interesting that the team wants- acknowledges that they were a joyless team for the fans yeah, wants to fix that complaint specifically. Um, and then this this is the last note on like the list, and then I'll get to the the young player thing. Ultimately, both Kawhi and Paul George told the Clippers that they trusted the front office and were on board with Lou's hiring, believing that he matches the criteria of what the team needs moving forward, the sources said. So Kawhi and Paul George were consulted. I think it was in... I can't remember if it was like Broderick Turner um, or somebody, but they were like, Paul Paul and Kawhi both said, we don't want to be the final decision. We don't want to be like, yeah, it's Ty Lue's job. Um, but they both were on board. And I've also seen other things that the rest of the roster is on board. Um, I know that Mo on Jovan's uh, podcast that I think he either dropped yesterday or today um, talked about how that actually gives you an advantage like any new coach that was going to come in was going to have to figure out what he had. Whereas 
tie, even though there's some like, yeah, but he was on Doc's staff that fucked up so bad. He he has the knowledge of the locker room with a totally different approach. Right. And there's and also there's also been reporting that the coaching staff during the playoffs was also frustrated with Doc and was like, right. Like apparently they were trying to tell him to make adjustments and he wasn't hearing it. Yes. Um, which is probably a part of the reason why he's gone. Um, I think that and we can touch on this really quick. Balmer and his conversation, the reporting seems to be that Balmer was like, hey, dude, you fucked up. And Doc's <laughs> response was, no, bro, you didn't give me a point guard. And it was like, wait a minute. What are you, what are you talking about? Like, what are we doing here? You can't, yeah, you can't play that card after in the same season talking about how Patrick Beverly is one of only three players you've ever given the playbook to. Right. But not even just that, dude. Like, we all know the problem. <laughs> and the problem you didn't fix had nothing to do with point guard play. Like, it had yeah. nothing to do with that. Right. Um, so later on, um, Yovan talked about how the younger players on the roster, Avicii Zubats, uh, Landry Shamet, Terrence Mann, and Fiondu Cavangeli, will be given larger roles and more minutes. Music to my ears, dude. Uh, the Clippers plan to stagger uh, Leonard and George's minutes more, as well as testing out different role players around them to see what lineup com- combinations work best. Um, so in that kind of same vein, uh, in Russo's article that he had unlocked, uh, he said that according to Basketball Index's coaching optimization ratings, I wish I knew more about those, but I'm going to trust that Russo knows what that means and would use it only because it actually means something. <laughs> uh, Tyron Lue is only is second to only Steve Kerr in offensive optimization since 2013 and third in overall optimization behind Kerr and Nick Nurse. Um, this is clearly a coach who knows how to get the most out of his talent and players around him. So this is a great hire for a team that needed more modern approach to basketball. That's another thing that a lot of people have been talking about. His teams played modern basketball. They shot threes, got out and ran. Yeah. Those are the things that we needed to do. And we did. Yeah. Um, so overall, I mean, I think Lou is a great hire because he's going to do all the things that we were screaming for. And I think that there's still a lot of BS out there about what happened. Um, and I don't think we should have been having any of those conversations. Personally, I think that the team was good enough to win the title this year. Yeah. Talent wise, roster wise. If someone had just done something with it, I don't think we are having anything other than our fourth drunken conversation about how the Clippers finally won a title. Like that's <laughs> that's my belief. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be really annoying out there for a long time until the Clippers actually win, and that's just really what it's going to come down to. And you know, honestly, deservedly so. Like, yeah, especially here in LA. Like, you know, we we harped on the the you know blue collar image that they're trying to make, but I mean. You can't put up billboards all around the city that's like, you know, driven over given and, you know, this is like this is our city now and all that shit and then do what you did in the playoffs. Like it's and like even Patrick Beverly like came out like publicly and was like people are in my like in my, you know, comment sections and in my mentions being like Cancun on three. And he's like, can't even be mad about it. Just got to take that shit on the chin and keep going. (laughs) Yeah, "Yeah, man, you can't dish it out if you can't take it. You you put up a big performance for some of these other teams that, that got knocked out and like. And then you absolutely woke up and shit the bed. And so it's just like, you can't, you just have to take it. Yeah, I agree. Um, But overall, I think that 
we're in a very good spot right now. I think that even if, look, I mean, Jovan is adamant, and even on his last podcast was adamant that like roster changes are coming. Um, oh, I full heartedly believe that. Like, I, you know, we can get into this maybe in the next episode, but like, I would be somewhat surprised if Patrick Beverly is back next season. I, I, I mean, I, I don't agree with that, but I'm also in the other camp of, right. I actually don't think that things are, are going to be much different. Um, and part of that for me is just informed by the quotes about why doc was let go. And a lot of it was like, no, we had the roster doc. Like we had the team. Right. Um, and I think that some of that, I think it's more like peripheral stuff and tries leaving. I think that those are the two sort of big things that are going to happen. Sure. But I don't think that that means that our top eight is really going to be much different. Now, if it is, I mean, it is, and that's them deciding like, well, I guess it must have been the roster. But I, I personally think that's a little foolhardy. I think that if literally if we got the band back together and got rid of Trez and just got like a serviceable backup big, this is still a championship roster um, because you just need an offensive system. I don't think you need freaking Magic Johnson out there to set everybody up. Like, right. We have two wing two guys on the wing that can handle the ball. Um, just run something and it'll be much easier. Um, anyway, that's, that's all I got to say. I'm really excited. I'm excited about the Lou hire. Yeah. I mean, any change is going to be good at this point because something needed to shake it up. Right. Uh, should we, should we rapid fire these, uh, these listener questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, so your buddy, Jimmy, uh, has, um, Ask, do you see any similarities in Lou's two head coaching nods and any similarities at how he got the jobs? Uh, I Okay, I'll say this. I get why that question is being asked. Um, but no, he was an assistant coach before. I don't think anybody had any expectations of Doc getting fired. I don't think that that was ever written on the wall anywhere. Um, whereas like, I think David Blatt was kind of like doomed from the beginning. Um, yeah. And I think Doc was in the long-term plans and he blew it. And it wasn't a one-year decision. It was a decision made over his entire tenure as the Clippers head coach. Right. So I don't think that Ty Lue was ever hired with the um, intent purpose of being like, We're, you're going to take this over. Like It wasn't the Jason Kidd hiring with the Lakers, which ended up not happening because Frank Vogel right. coached his fucking ass off. But there was that backup plan. I don't think that was ever the case. So um, right. I, I get why that question might be asked, but on, yes, only if it was in the vacuum of one year. But if you look at Doc's entire tenure, no, not at all. Right. Ty, Ty was brought here so that after the Clippers won the championship this season, he would get a head coaching job somewhere else. Yeah. Because I, he would like, have two on his, on his resume instead of one. That's the thing is I don't think Ty was in the long-term plans no. of the it team. It was a one year Doc just was. come in, you'll get a job somewhere else. It's fine. Exactly. Um, okay, so uh, I... Okay, whatever, dude. Yeah, Ty, Ty Lue is the, the preeminent coaching backstabber in the NBA. That's what he is, uh, if that's what you want to hear. Um, <laughs> uh, Gary um, Abramian says, will Chauncey run the defense? He was on one of the most dominant defensive teams of all time. What will Larry Drew's role be? Can we hire Nate McMillan? I want to take this really quick. Yeah. Uh, neither of us are coaching experts. Neither of us are basketball experts. So like the minutia 
of what these coaches are going to bring, we're not really sure. We can talk, we can wax poetic about like larger things. Um, but I know you think that, that Chauncey might, cause we talked about this earlier, might help with the defense. I don't personally see him as a defensive guy. Um, maybe that's just cause he's a point guard. And I, I, I look at sort of what he did as a player and he was more of an offensive guy. Um, well, and even on the broadcast, he's shown his value with like X's and O's like his, right. like that's, I'm almost sad to have him leave the broadcast because it was this kind of like long road from like Mike Smith, who was like unbearable and actually didn't know anything about basketball to Chauncey Billups, who like had this really intense knowledge of scheme and system uh, and, and would break down the game, I think, better than most broadcast teams out there. But I'm also just, stoked to have that dude on the on the bench yeah, coaching. Yeah, I'm excited. I think he's going to help more with the offense. I mean, he might help with the defense. We might be surprised, but I, that, that's just my personal feeling about it. He also wasn't the most charismatic color guy, so I mean, he's kind of monotonous, dude. Him and him and Seaman though built they figured such it out. a good chemistry. They figured it dude. out at the end. Yeah. At the beginning, I thought that they hated each other. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to put that out <laughs> in the world. I thought that they were going to kill each other in the booth, but it got so much better by the end of the year. Yeah, and. We'll see who they bring in. I just hope it's not Mike Fratello. Anyway, Larry Drew. At SVG, get him out of coaching. Uh, get him out of the coaching talks. Cut down all of his interviews and just bring in SVG. I would love to have Stan Van Gundy as part of the local broadcast. Just give him whatever money he wants, Balmer. Just put get him in the booth. Yeah, um, dude, honestly. Larry Larry Drew, um, I think, is like a mentor to Ty Lue. He's another mentor. Um, he was on his staff in Cleveland. I just think he's there for for Ty, like a, a, a guy for Ty to lean on. I think yeah. he's a good, I mean, he has to be a good coach because he's, he's been with, you know, in the NBA, he's had his own head coaching stints, all that other stuff. Um, I just don't know enough about him. Uh, I don't know if you do, if you have, if no, I don't Larry drew guy. <laughs> he, yeah. You can see the Larry drew poster behind me. Um, no, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much value or, or input he'll have. Yeah. I'm not like that's to be seen. But he has been with Ty Lue in both of his stops. So I think that that means that he's important. And that, that's a typical coaching thing. A lot of guys will bring one or two people that have kind of moved around with them when they when they yeah. get a head coaching job. Um, I would be cool with Nate McMillan down the bench. I know that you wanted us to hire him as our I, head coach, which I thought it was, was also It was insane, a name but... that, that came up. I, you're overreacting to that a bit. It was a name that I thought of. And I do think that Nate, like in terms of like, who would be running the defense? I think if if Rex Kalamian doesn't come back or he goes somewhere else, like I would love to get because my only thing is like with all the stuff that we talked about with the ISO and all that, this team actually was better offensively than they were defensively this year. Right. And so um, and part of that is just that we have great ISO players. Uh, but you know, I I think Nate McMillan is a good defensive coach. So to yeah. me, and and yeah, I might have jumped the gun a little bit on like the head coaching thing, but like to me, giving a guy like Nate McMillan the defensive pieces that are on this team, like that shit makes me like salivate. I'm like, he would be able to put together a defensive system that would be right. terrifying. So yeah, I dude, if they can go get Nate McMillan to run the defense on this team, do it. Like I yes. would be so excited about that. I'd be super excited about it too. Um I I'm of like two minds. I think that Rex has this good reputation and probably the players like him and he's, he has the relationships there. So like, I think it'd be interesting to see him getting another shot with like a different head coach. Yeah. Um, 
But if we wanted to just shake shit up, because it seems like we're shaking shit up, Nate McMillan, I think, would be a good addition just to have another guy who has head coaching experience, you know, seems to be a good defensive coach. Um, is not a good offensive coach, but like, you know, I, I just, I think that if you get him as a specialist, I think it would be great. Yeah. Um, Matthew Siha has asked how different will the offense look with the new coaching staff? I mean, we touched on it. I, I think yeah. it'll look different in, in the sense that more pieces will be utilized there will be systems and schemes and there will be adjustments. Yeah, there will be it's at that least simple. a I don't, system. Yeah, I literally don't think we need to dive any further than that because those are massive changes that I think right. we're expecting to see. It's not going to be this ISO kind of wing it, hopefully the talent, you know, trumps all thing. Right. Like I, I think that there will be, you know, like we said, pace and ball movement. And that's going to yeah. be a massive change because in the looks that they had in the playoffs where they looked great, it was those games where the ball was moving around a lot. And like, we were like, you know, I know you love to give me a hard time about like, just get out there and make some chess passes and boys can do it. Like, but I mean, they do like, they do look like a better team when they're moving the ball and it's not just sticking. And I think that that will be a point of emphasis. So that's where I think the biggest change comes. Now you and I aren't going to be able to be like, yeah, they're going to run more Spain and some hammer action and they're going to like some pistols. Yeah. Um, but I do think that for like the untrained eye, right, which is basically our eye, the the differences between last year and this year are primarily going to be there's going to be less. Oh, player X has the ball. Yeah. Everybody else is standing and looking at player X with the ball and just hoping that something happens. I think that ties offenses. Russo touched on this. I think other people have touched on this. And just from my recollection. There's a lot more off-ball movement too, um, yeah. and that's something that has been sorely missing last season. That we had gotten, you know, in the Lob City era with at least JJ. You know, he runs 18 miles a game, right? Um, right. But like we, we we lost that element, and it was it became predictable. Um, where it's going to be like, okay, Kawhi's going to come down and pound the ball, and then he's going to give it to Paul George, who's going to pound the ball. Who then, okay, maybe he doesn't have it, so he's going to give it to Lou Williams, who's going to pound the ball. And then, like, that's it. Like, that was our whole. Well, yeah. And that's, that's the thing is like when you look at these great offensive teams, like we could look at the Golden State Warriors, right? Like, they had all that off ball movement. So even if you're switching on it, where you're not tying your guys out and you're like, okay, all right, well, we can play a zone here. When they start moving the ball, fundamentally, you will never move as fast as a, a passing basketball. Correct. And that's when you that's when you see like the defenses collapse. And that's why they looked so good when they were passing the ball and it got so stagnant when they weren't. So I mean, yeah, I like Look, literally we, we that's looked unstoppable with one action. We ran a zoo pick and roll and it was like, well, it can't do anything. And like <laughs> we just didn't even run that one action. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Um, so Matt Marquis asks how will Ty's coaching and player usage differ from Glenn's uh we touched on this a little bit too hold on first of all <laughs> I love it we're not calling him doc anymore I no, appreciate he, that. He, he has been stripped of the doctorate that's um he <laughs> yeah. also said that uh he will have to go by Glenn in Philadelphia because of Dr. oh J. you can't do you cannot go by doc in Philly there's no Correct. way Actually, but he, I think he, it was even here in Maggio? LA he's he's as much a doctor as as like Dr. Oz at this point I'm not uh, I think Jamie was it Jamie Maggio was like I used to work in Philly and they told oh no 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 uh, it was anyway it was some it was some reporter and she was like I used to work in Philly and they told me I couldn't call Doc Rivers Doc oh yeah it's I a had thing. to call him Glenn 
Yeah. And I thought that was hilarious. Um, so we kind of touched on it. I just think that a, there's going to be more accountability. I think that we're going to see doc laid into guys like zoo doc laid into guys like Reggie doc laid into guys like, um, Landry, uh, doc did not lay into guys like Kawhi and Paul George. Yeah. And for some reason, Montrezl Harrell. So, I think that the biggest difference is going to be Ty is going to hold everybody accountable from the top down to what they um, do on the court. Yeah, and ho- he he was able to get buy-in on that Cavs team mm-hmm. from the top down. Not just LeBron, but Kevin Love. Hey, this is what we need from you. Sometimes we're going to go away, sometimes we're not. Um and then, you know, he got guys on the bottom, Richard Jefferson, Tristan Thompson. Sorry, Tristan Thompson wasn't the bottom, but you know what I mean? Like yeah, guys yeah, at the yeah. bottom half of the rotation to also perform at a high level under him buying in, doing stuff like that. So I think that both guys are not only good players, you know, relationship guys, but they're both great tacticians. But I think that there's going to be a little bit more malleability from Ty Lue, um, because that's how he's been successful. Yeah. Um, and it, I think that it's just, you're going to see younger guys. And I also think that guys are probably going to have more solidified roles. I, um, yeah, I, I, I think later on, I think in the beginning we will see Ty kind of like holding the Swiss army knife being like, what does this do? What does this do? What does yeah. this do? You know what I mean? And, and the problem was we saw doc, doing that but not with the entire thing and then going back to stuff and so that that's the thing so i think that we will have some experimentation in the beginning in terms of what different looks you know are i also think they're going to practice more like doc has like i think that's a big thing like doc has notoriously never emphasized practice and there's all these talks you know like you know Kawhi wanted to cancel practice so doc said it was fine and blah blah blah. dude it was a thing in the lob city era where they didn't practice and i think you're gonna see tai lu be like no 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 like we're getting in the gym and we are gonna run these systems until you can do them in your sleep uh so you know i i there is some of that like you know Kawhi didn't want to practice because he lived in san diego that might be true to a certain extent and that might be a part of you know his uh his degenerative knee issue and not wanting to overdo it. But I do think that there's going to be a lot more practice for the Clippers with Ty Lue at the head. Right. And even then, like I, this whole, I don't know. Cause like he literally, when he was in Cleveland, the whole thing was he had playoff sets. Like that was, that was the thing in Cleveland where like they would not practice because they have the Atlanta Hawks coming up this weekend, but he'd be like, we need to go get in the gym and we're going to run these sets. And these are things that we're not doing in the regular no, no, season. No, I, I, yeah. I don't disagree with that. I, I, I'm excited by that. I'm just more f- flustered by this whole like Kawhi in living in San Diego. Like he's a star. And even then he's not some guy that needs to be drilled on, you know, so I, but as long as there's a system, he's going to find his place in it. And yeah, I don't, I'm, he's not, his IQ isn't low. So we're like, oh, we're installing the system. Maybe you're not practicing today, but like he's going to be there and he's going to be able to see what the, you know, the sets are and he's going to yeah. know what the hell they're running. It's not like every NBA team runs totally different shit. Like they all run the same shit just in different ways. Yeah. And so yeah. I'm sure he knows what a fucking playbook looks like. Like it's not, it's not like, anyway, it, 
there was no plan. And we've talked about that ad nauseum. And yeah. that's what's frustrating. And it's not like Kawhi living in San Diego is the reason why Doc Rivers didn't install an offensive system. Kawhi also doesn't live in San Diego full time. He has a penthouse literally across the street from Staples Center. Yeah, because this is his city now. <laughs> but I mean, he like bought the top floor of the Ritz Carlton. Yeah, he did. So yeah, I'm okay. Or Steve, or Steve did. Either way, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. So I, I just want to ask one last question, um, and then you know we can kind of what's what's the number one thing that you're looking forward to next season? It doesn't have to be Tyler related, but just like. In general, what's the thing that you're looking forward to? Um, I I think for me, and this is you know somewhat tightly related, it's seeing those younger guys get more minutes because I think that we have a great amount of young talent on this team, even if it's just Zoo and Shamit. I'm really excited to see the young guys get a chance because that's something that we didn't get in the last almost decade of Clippers basketball. And so that's the thing is like, I know what the stars are capable of. You know what I mean? Like I know if, if, you know, if PG comes back, if these other guys come back, you know, whatever with all the rumors, I know what the top talent in the league does and is capable of doing. For me, I get really excited about development and young players. And like, that's why I always kind of like the bottom half of the league and like why Mm -hmm. I get league pass because those teams aren't going to be on TNT. And I like watching that because I like watching the development and like seeing like, Oh, like this guy can actually do this. Like he could be a good role player down the road to help someone out. And I think that we have a decent amount of that and a coach that is going to like take the time and patience to unlock that a little bit. And like, I think it's undeniable that zoo has to have a bigger role in this team that he's got the value to do it. Uh, you know, and, and sham it. And, you know, like I said, like, yeah, I think, you know, Trez needs to go and and maybe the answer is Jamike comes back and gets a bigger role and cuz Jamike can basically do everything plus some that Trez does, but like there's also Capengelli who destroyed in the G League, was was amazing in the G League this year and has this like raw skill set that they could turn into something very valuable. And so that for me that's what it is. It's like I know what Kawhi does and it's amazing blows my mind every time I watch him play basketball. So mm-hmm. there's other guys I'm excited to see. Yeah. Um, I think mine, I mean, he might prove me wrong on this one. So like these might be famous last words, but <laughs> it's going to be very exciting for me to not worry about the mistake that's coming. Uh, coaching wise. Um, I know that I'm super hard on doc or whatever, but like all of this year we bitched about the Montrez Harrell thing. Yeah, we all did. And we, and we bitched about various things coaching related throughout the season. And it always felt like the mistake was coming. Like, oh, he's going to do this thing and right. that's going to blow it. Right. And, you know, it, there's always conversations about like, well, the players should execute better and blah, blah, blah. Again, I, there are people who, who put their players in good positions and there are people who don't. Um, and. I don't think that that was the, a, a defining characteristic of the Clippers this season is players were not put in the correct positions. Yeah. Um, and it will be nice to worry about execution instead of, oh, shit, <laughs> he's doing this again. You right, know, or, right, oh, right, shit, right, here, right. here he comes. Or, oh, my God, he's really not going to take him out. Or, yeah, oh or like God, when, yeah. when things start to crumble, you can kind of take a breath and go, all right, there's a change coming. 
Oh, here comes it, the It may not out. work. It may not work. Right. But at least I know they're going to try something new. Like, oh, look, a timeout. I wonder what they're going to do differently out of this timeout. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, so um, that's what I'm looking forward to the most, I think, is just having at least a, a sliver of confidence in an adjustment is going to be made and it might help us, you know, Fair. whatever's going on. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, man, that's all I got. We, we uh, appreciate everybody um, allowing us. Oh, wow. Do I have a track of the week? I do. I do. This will be like track of the six months because that's how long it's yeah. been since, <laughs> yeah. since we recorded. Um, no, so part of the uh, the basketball being done and you know we're still somewhat in lockdown um, was catching up on movies that I haven't okay. seen in a bit. And I finally saw Jojo Rabbit. And um, okay. there was a song in that movie. And I was like, this song is so good, dude. Like, this this is unbelievable. My partner was like, dude, this is love, um, which is a band from like the 60s I never really got into. So I've been diving in on them. But the song that got me into it was Everybody's Gotta Live by Love. Uh, it's a okay. really good kind of like mellow acoustic track. The dude's voice is unbelievable. And it's one of their less psych, like psychedelic tracks. But goddamn, does it go, dude. I love it. Awesome um what you got that's cool i'll have to check that out too um there's been a lot of good music that's dropped you know recently um a bunch of different albums um, <laughs> i've been trying to like get back into music a hundred percent i love that um, i'm like yeah it's this like album from the 60s and you're all there's a lot of good music in 2020 too. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah let's, <laughs> let's bring it back to a modern uh conversation. anyway um but the the track and the the tape that I keep coming back to is action Bronson's only for dolphins. Okay. Um, which is the album. Um, and there's a specific track on there that I think is just incredible and it's golden eye. Um, the beat is incredible. Um, action Bronson is Dada hip hop. I mean, it's just, it's absurdism and stream of consciousness shit. And I just, he, he puts a smile on my face every time I listen to him because he says something totally absurd every yeah, time, yeah. you know, in a track. Um, but it's just one of those like two and a half minute, please just extend this to six minutes. Cause I want to listen to this for that sure. long, uh, kind of tracks. So, um, that is my track of the week. Um, I am just now getting into the new Benny, the butcher tape. Um, I didn't get to finish the whole thing. So I'm sure that my next six tracks of the week will come from that. <laughs> we'll be up with that. I'm excited to hear the, the action Bronson song. Cause I haven't really, uh, to be honest, kept up with him in a few years so i'm i'm not familiar with most of his new stuff i think this will be the second or third bronson track on the track of the week playlist which by the way these songs that we just brought up will be added to the track of the week playlist on spotify the link will be in the uh, episode description uh, and we posted on our twitter which by the way at clip said pod follow us on twitter if you don't that's yet. right um but yeah man Really appreciate that. I'm I'm stoked to hear some new Bronson because I want to see kind of where he's gone since the last time I was listening. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to us uh, and allowing us the the time to take off and and take a deep breath after uh, you know our first season doing the show, which is really cool. Really looking forward to the off season because I think there's a lot for us to explore in the off season here. Uh, potential mm -hmm. trades, potential roster turnovers, that kind of stuff. So we'll definitely be coming back uh, a little more regularly exploring some of those those options uh if you're listening to this on apple podcasts please give us a five-star rating leave us a written review um it's not just for uh ego purposes although that does help but it does help with visibility on the show right um and we brought it up earlier 
Justin Russo, friend of the show, he has a Patreon where his writings and he does some some really great podcasts and video breakdowns, all of that stuff. Go support him, man. I'm just going to plug yeah. that because I think Russo's a rad dude. He does some of the most in-depth analysis on the Clippers um, and definitely deserves the support more so than, you know, Woj or Shams or any of these other guys. Like Russo really dives into it and um, you won't have like massive corporate ads the whole time right. so uh go go support his show uh please remember to like subscribe rate review share retweet wash rent sanitize repeat and if you don't donald's growing and that's a fact